Mr. Helper. All right. Hey, welcome to Say I Podcast. And we are going to do our new thing. We've been talking about this for a long time. And um, we, st- we put it out on our first episode. So this is our seventh episode right now. And um, we're going to do Cooking with Claudia. Yo, Your specialty. What's up? What's up? What's up? Say it. Yes. Yes. You're on Say It podcast, the cooking segment. Um, of course, you'll be getting your own your own whole thing with the cooking thing. But we're just going to start off with this, and um, we're going to go into some things with you. Um, so, pretty much, what do you want to talk about? What, what What's your any tips on uh, what you're thinking about doing here? Like, uh, give us some uh, give us some feedback here. Yeah, well, um, a couple of things. Um, first off, thank you very much for listening. Second of all, um, like I mentioned in the first episode, I wanted to, like, not only do, like, actual recipes and talking about it, but actually little tips of the trade that will make life easier. So, um, I'm a mom working mom and it's hard to actually do a meal or a quick one, two, three type of thing and to make life easier for me. So a lot of things that I've noticed that we can use is use the supermarket to your advantage. Okay. So, um, we go shopping every week. And um, what kind of ingredients do you like to pick out? I mean, do you go for more organic or do you go for uh, um, pretty much certain anything you could see that you, you like there, you know, at the supermarket? You pick whatever you want. Um, well, like, what is your style? Well, my style really is, now that I have a little girl, I try to push the envelope with our little girl. And... Um, My style really is Italian, Spanish, and Mediterranean type of um, cuisine. So when I go into the supermarket, as much as I hate to admit it, um, I try not to buy too much organic because it's really expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, But I try to look around um, for fresh fruits and vegetables that are seasonal, one, because it's cheaper, and two, okay. they taste the best. Right. Um, so, like, What's right your techniques? Now, like, um, what kind of uh, fruits and vegetables do you pick out, uh, and what do you look for? Well, definitely seasonal stuff. So, right now, we're in spring. Ironic, yes, we're in, in June, and a few days will be in the summer, but this is prime picking time to picking asparagus um and and uh peppers um green yellow orange red peppers um that kind of thing so definitely you can use seasonal type of products in there um you know like doing a quick little thing in terms of like trying to introduce new vegetables with for your kid is trying to 
turn a vegetable into a pasta. It's like the biggest craze. Right. Veggie pasta. Veggie well, what's, pasta. What's your technique in like picking out vegetables? Like, what do you look for? Because a lot of people, um, I think this is a big thing because a lot of people go to the produce sections and, and they're looking at vegetables and, you know, everybody feels it. And I, I, I have a feeling that like at least 80% of the people there don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what vegetables to pick. So what would be your technique on picking vegetables? Like what kind of vegetables and and what would you look for? All right. So I mentioned asparagus. Asparagus is like the best time to pick right now because it's a spring vegetable. Okay. So you want to pick an asparagus, I should say. If you flip it over, you see that it should be slightly emerged into water very key. If you find something that is, if the asparagus is not in water, don't pick it. That means it's been dry and it's going to be really bad and it's going to start spoiling. Also, when you flip it over on the bottom side and the cut side, it should be, you should see that it is moist and wet and it should not be too cracked. Um, And on top of that, on the top of the asparagus, it should be tight, very, very tight, nice, dark green color, very tight. If it starts opening up and you see that it's turning into a purple, almost to a flower, that means it's been there for a while. And it's really bad. It's it's into the spoiling stage. Okay. Um, and basically, that's pretty much what you're looking for. Um, right. What about lettuce and uh, cabbage, things like that? Leaf, leafy. Leafy. Type of things. So, <clears throat> lettuce, um, I particularly do not. This is my own personal preference. I don't right. particularly like iceberg lettuce. Um, but you're more into greens. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely pick endives. If you pick like a spinach, um, like a, a baby spinach or even a regular, um, head of spinach, it should be nice and dark. Um, dark green. Um, the stems should be hard, meaning it should be hard, meaning filled with water. That means it's fresh. If it's wilted, that means it's been there for a while. Um, and I also particularly like, um, uh, butter lettuce or bib lettuce. Okay. Um, what's the difference between those two lettuces? They're the same. Okay. Uh, and, um, and also the green leaf lettuce, they're really, really good. So if you wanted to make something really good, you could take asparagus, um, like roast them, um, with a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, nothing more. Roast them into the oven, um, in a 375 degree oven. Yes, it's very hot, but you're just basically searing the outside and the outside should be like almost, um, blistered, but the inside is still maintained and you're only doing it for 10 minutes. You take it out, cool it down, you cut it up into little pieces and you can go ahead and take your spinach. You could take your endive, um, endives and just 
pull them apart like as if um you know you're pulling apart um uh like flowers if you're picking flowers and you're doing he loves me he loves me not kind of thing you're just pulling it apart pull apart the the endives and throw it all in together take some uh, good olive oil some splash of lemon some lemon juice put some salt pepper and that's it with okay. the asparagus so, and that's a really good right. salad right well for me like for me it's hard because us uh, a section of the produce the tomatoes to me there's like uh, 10 different types of tomatoes i don't know which one to pick is there any special like is there a difference between tomatoes is there a different like what do you look for in like what kind of tomato to get like as far as like which ones are good which ones are bad um what's the different types and why what is the differences between them all right so right now for me there's no such thing as a bad tomato except right. a spoiled tomato that's me personally right boy right now it's springtime the best tomatoes are heirloom tomatoes. Heirloom right. is just a fancy name for it. And what it means is that when you go into a produce section and you see um, funny looking, big and misshapen tomatoes, then that they have different colors on them. Like they're, it's um, orange, red, orange, red kind of color. Right. The heirloom tomato is really fantastic because they are without, it's the most purest form of a tomato that you can get, almost like saying organic. But it's the taste of the tomato is like absolutely phenomenal. It's very sweet. It's very juicy. Um, and right. it's definitely great for salads. It's not too, too acidic or anything else like that. It's definitely something that is great to mix in with the salad with a little bit of uh, watermelon. Yes, it sounds weird, but it is actually absolutely delicious. Okay. Um, but that, that kind of thing. To looking for a tomato, definitely look for a tomato that is, when you pick it up, it should feel heavy, meaning it's filled with water and it's right. firm. Um, it shouldn't have any blemishes. It definitely should not feel soft to the touch. Right. If it's soft to the touch, that means it's spoiled. Okay. Um, it's a good thing to know. I didn't know that one. <laughs> um, definitely do something like that. You know, that, that, those are the type of things. If you're looking right. for, um, a tomato to making a burger, a beefsteak tomato is great. Beef Only steak because, tomato. Uh, yeah, a beefsteak tomato okay. is great because they're bigger um, in size. If you're looking for something to do into um, a salad, get the um, cherry tomatoes or you can get the uh, vine-ripened uh, tomatoes, which is great because... These are tomatoes that are still partly that they are attached to the vine. Now, that it's really good on that, but at the same time, if you leave the tomato on the vine, it continues to ripen and will actually ripen quicker. Okay. That That's way. That's a good thing to know. Good yeah. tip. Yeah. Now, what about um, fruits? 
Okay. Any particular fruits that you need to pick to know? Any special things that you really need to know before you pick out a certain type of fruit? Like what to look for? So watermelon is probably something everybody's going to be looking for right now. Okay. So Summertime, June. Exactly. And it's hot out. You want to bite into a good, nice, juicy, cold watery watermelon especially if it has seeds it tastes better with seeds uh, yeah, okay so one thing i know it's easier and and more convenient to get the seedless but right. do realize it's genetically modified for that gmo and nature has it with seeds yes so Get the ones with seeds. Now, this right. is coming from a mom. Does it taste better with the seeds? Like, does it give it flavor or is it just it has seeds in it and it's more natural? It's, it has more, it's more natural. Okay. Good, good. So, anyway, um, so moms out there, I'm sorry. It's better to just take the time to take the seeds out or teach the little ones to spit out the seeds. Okay. Um, in terms hey, we had to do it when we were kids. I, know. Too, you know? I totally agree. <laughs> um, in terms of picking a watermelon, the heavier, the better. Why am I saying that is because it's filled with water. You want to bite into a juicy watermelon, right? Right. So when it's heavy, that means it's juicy. It's sweet. When you tap onto it, it should hear like a thud, like a heavy thud, not a hollow thud. That's also a sign that it's not sweet enough. Also, when it should be somewhere round, um, and it shouldn't have any cuts or dents or bruisings, there should not be any um, anything that is soft or anything else like that. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Basically, and also look on the outside. So, if you look on the outside and you see that a part of it is white, don't think of it as, oh, it's bad. It just means that the watermelon, when it was growing out in the farm, okay, it grows on top of soil. Okay. So, the part where it's white, it's not getting any sunlight, and it's been on the ground. Okay. That's pretty much what it means. Okay. Definitely every part of the watermelon can be used. And when right. I mean every part, I really literally mean every part. As weird as it is, yes, you can take the rind of a watermelon and eat it. The best kind is pickling it. Now, what do I mean about pickling? It's actually just, you know, like you have... Um, like pickled ginger, if you had sushi, um, if you had even a pickle, um, even if you had like pickled um, onions, um, it it's it takes on to a different taste and it's right. absolutely delicious. Okay, good, good. So, um, any other questions? No, no, we're just these going are really through this. good questions. I, I, like, I like it. I like going through this because. Uh, you know, I like to see the expertise and there's things I don't know. And uh, the audience won't know. And uh, I'm hoping like you give them extra tips and things that they're like, yeah. oh, wow, that was interesting. Yeah, I kind of try that one. So, so yeah. like something like I wanted to mention was utilizing the, the, the supermarket to your best advantage. Right. So what are your tips on that? So basically, 
you know, me as a working mom, it's hard um, to do things from scratch. I do do a lot of things from scratch. Um, but then I also am realistic, but I also utilize the supermarket to my advantage. So for quick marinades and quick marinades in terms of like chicken. Right. Okay. So chicken is the best, um, platform for taking any type of flavor. You can use Japanese style. You can use Chinese style. You can do Thai. You can do French inspired, Italian inspired, Spanish inspired, any type of cuisine, Cajun, anything. So, but for me, the quick little thing that I would do, and especially if it's for summertime, okay, taking any type of chicken now i personally would take a chicken thigh because the chicken thigh is one better flavor and two it's cheaper but right it there for other people who cannot stand or deal with dark meat like chicken thigh take a chicken breast Okay. okay. That's my that's what I prefer. Take a chicken pressed breast and you're going to be grilling. It's summertime. Grilling is the best, right? yeah. So the best way you can do it is is take regular Italian dressing. Okay. And I I'm not going to say anything bad about it. You're going to be buying Italian dressings or some type of dressing anyway, because you're going to be making salads. Right. So take Italian dressing. Okay. And take a little bit of Italian dressing and just basically take your chicken Mm -hmm. and put a, a quarter cup of Italian dressing. Leave it overnight. Best overnight. If you can, okay. if you cannot marinate it, marinate the chicken with the Italian dressing right. for four hours. Now, what will that do? Obviously, impart flavor, but it would also go ahead and tenderize your chicken. Why am I saying that? Because Italian dressing has acid. Right. Also, the Italian dressing is sweet. Okay, so it would also impart a great sweetness into your chicken that will, when you grill it, it will caramelize on the grill very nice. Everybody loves that nice, dark, caramelized um, uh, presentation on your chicken. That's what you're going right. to get. Okay, so definitely. Now, what is this called? This dish? It's nothing. That's it's just no, chicken. It's barbecue grilled chicken. Chicken. Okay. With Italian dressing. Okay. That's it. Sometimes you keep it simple. Simple is best when it right. comes to, like, you know, everybody thinks that ch- uh, cooking is complicated. Right. And I mean, some people get intimidated by it. Right. Uh, intimidated by it, but. I guess it's because of the pressure of making sure everything comes out perfect and and what have you. Remember, it's just food you're cooking, not a big deal. Right. You know, Make a mistake, it's start over, right? Exactly. Okay. It's not rocket science or anything else like that. So, and yes, you're probably thinking, oh, it's easy for you because you went to culinary school. And no, it's simply because it's the truth. What are you doing? You're taking a chicken and you're cooking it. 
Okay. If it burns, guess what? You get another piece of chicken. Right. If it's not done, guess what? You leave it on the grill for a little bit longer. Just make sure it's cooked. That's very important. Yes. What yes. happens if you don't make if you don't cook the chicken properly? What happens? So the cooking time for chicken, the standard is one sixty five internal temperature. Me personally, I take it a little bit further, one seventy. You take it out of the grill. You rest it. Number Number one, you rest now, your protein. What, what, what's this thing called resting? Um, you rest your protein for a minimum of 15 minutes. Now, what is this? Explain to the audience resting, like what's resting. Um, basically, is exactly what it means, resting. So every time you cook any type of protein, any protein out there, no matter if it's on the grill, no matter if it's on a saute pan, no matter if it's on the oven, doesn't matter. Right. Protein, literally, when you cook it, what happens to the protein? It con- it basically contracts and it it tightens up. Okay. Because all the water, all the fluid, every liquid is coming out. So what happens is is when the heat is applied. The beet bundles up. The best way to see it is, is if you take a pizza, if you take a fish and all of a sudden you see it curl up, that's a protein. The protein is hitting a heat and the water comes out. Okay. So when the cooking, when it's close to, oh, it's almost done and everything else, you take it off of the heating element. One thing that is really important is, is you want to rest after a while when it, the protein is off of the heating element. The protein muscle will actually relax itself. And by right. relaxing itself, it in, takes in all the juices that it was coming out of right. and comes back into the protein. Hence, it makes it juicy. Such as a steak. Correct. Such as a steak, such as um, I mean, I think shrimp. a steak would be a little more important than the rest. Um, since <laughs> most people want their steaks juicy, yes, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, I taught okay. you how to properly cook a steak on on a grill, and one thing which I already know how to do, but no, no. <laughs> one thing never, ever, 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 ever cut into a piece of steak or any type of protein while cooking it. And why? Because you lose out extra juices more right. than it's already taking out. And let me tell you something. There ain't nothing worse than a well-done steak. I gotta tell you. And I sh- told you about that. Yes, yes. I ordered one and it was, I didn't know. Yes. I did and it was a big, big mistake. I'll never do it again. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so yeah. when you also rest your protein... Okay, another key thing to understand is is the protein muscle relaxes. It's going to take in the hot juices that it was expelled. Okay. It's going to take the hot juices back into the protein, and it will continue cooking. Hence, it's called resting or carry over time cooking. So when you take a chicken... And me personally, I take it to internal temperature. Now, do you tenderize your chicken? No. 
especially if I, if I'm putting it into, um, in an Italian dressing, it's already tender because right. of, of the Italian dressing is, uh, has acid into it right. and it actually breaks down the, t- uh, the fibers into the protein fibers right. and makes it very tender. But it's also another part, even if you didn't use Italian dressing, by resting your chicken, it becomes tender and more juicy. Now, what's the best way to season? I mean, just marinate it? Is there seasoning involved? It's my personal preference. Um, This is my personal preference is definitely salt, um, a little bit of uh, grated garlic, olive oil, and some type of acid. It doesn't make any difference what type of acid. No. Okay. Never mind. But um, if you don't have the time for that, again, utilizing the supermarket. Right. Every supermarket has a, um, in the spice aisle, a chicken bouillon base. Okay. So what I do is not the actual bouillon cube because that's hard to break down, but those packets, sometimes there's packets, the chicken bouillon packets. It's a, it's just the same thing, except it's not on a cube. And what I do is, is I take one packet with a little bit of oil, canola oil, right. and I put it onto my chicken, and I put one packet of the chicken base okay. and mix it up. Now, it has salt. It has already spices into it, like oregano. Sometimes they have a little bit of onion salt into it, but it already has salt. It's very important to salt your proteins. Don't be afraid to use salt. Okay, so salt is a friend. Yes, salt is very much a friend. Oversalting okay. is bad, but salt oh, is okay, a friend. Okay, so don't oversalt. What, a couple of pinches? It depends. Okay. It depends. So... Basically, I, I I utilize that, and you can just throw it into the oven, a skillet, or even to the grill, and it's okay. a quick seasoning. Nice, that nice. kind of thing. Um, do you add onions, things like that, to the marinade? If you want to, that's fine. Except if you're going to use an onion, I would do is grate your onion. Now, the reason being is, is that it imparts more flavor and it okay. actually um, gets onto your protein better. Right, right. And uh, any, uh, let's go into steaks. Any particular thing to do with a steak? All right. So, a very key thing. So a couple, there's actually a coworker of mine, um, and we've become really good friends and, and what have you. And a couple of my friends also call me too about this. Right. And I've actually shown uh, a couple of your cousins as well as family members Correct. on how to properly cook a steak. All right, so okay. go, let's get into it. It's as easy and also as difficult it is, as it is to master cooking a steak. Okay, number one, your steak needs to be room temperature, no matter okay. what. Okay, number two, you take 
a paper towel and definitely take and pat dry your steak. It's very, very important to make sure that two things, there is no moisture on your steak. None whatsoever. Now, is that what they call dry aging a steak? No. Or is it just completely different. a different thing? A completely different thing. Okay. Dry aging, just to kind of like digress a little bit, dry aging. When it's a, a piece of steak that's already been butchered, what it does is it goes into a controlled um, cooling, a uh, cool area under its controlled temperature. And what it does is it t- slowly takes out um, the water. It's almost um, a, a slower process than like a beef jerky. So, okay? so it's a steak purification system. Basically. Okay. okay. And what it does is it intensifies the meat flavor. Okay. So the end also tenderizes the meat as well. So, and the longer the age of the steak, the more tender, the more expensive, and the better tasting the steak is. Okay. Um, Also, a little while before we said salt is your friend. Yes. Fat is your friend. Especially when it comes to steak. And what about the bone part of the steak? Bone is very, very important. It's delicious for steak. Okay. So for those who who like um, a boneless steak, okay, fine. However, I would suggest try it with the bone. Cook with it on the bone. And the reason being is, is that the bone actually adds extra flavor onto the meat when you're cooking into it. Okay. Um, but if you cannot have, or if you really are adamant without the bone, definitely make sure that you have um, sort of a fatty steak. Meaning, what am I meaning about that? You want the fat to be inside, not just outside, but inside the actual uh, meat. And think about it. Now, everybody's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be fat. I'm going to be fat. I'm going to be fat. Okay, so slow down. Okay, first off, when you cook the steak, the fat will melt out. The fat actually imparts flavor into the actual meat and makes it even juicier than what it needs to be. Right. So those are the things that to to actually think about. Obviously, if there's really a thick layer of fat on the outside, trim off the excess flavor of flavor, yeah. uh, excess fat. Right. Um. Yes, the fat will melt off, but there's always so much that it'll melt off. So okay. take off the excess fat. Those are the things to look for. Right. Um, but it's very, very important. One, room temperature. Right. Now, what do you prefer you cook the steak on? A grill, skillet, um, flame broiled? It just depends matter. on how you like it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't okay. matter. I mean, each to their, for me, it's, it, it depends. Um, me personally, my personal preference is on an open flame. Okay. Per, that's my personal. Right. take onto it um 
but it doesn't really make any difference. You can broil it. Uh, now, what's the process on cooking it while you're doing in the process of cooking it? What, what's usually your process on how you do it? So, as I was about to continue, since you keep on interrupting. Sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to get into detail here, you know? I'm just busting. Inquiring minds so, need to know these things. So, number one, yes, when you buy the steak, room temperature. Okay. It has to be room temperature steak. Number two. Definitely take out and blot draw, uh, blot the steak. Make sure all the excess water is out. Now, what's blotting? How do you blot? Take a paper towel and just literally blot as if you were blotting uh, when you take when you coming out of the shower. Mm-hmm. Instead of like wiping your body up and down, you dab your body until you're dry. Okay, so, so you dab same, it. Same thing as uh, a steak. Okay. Okay. Um, number two, salt. Okay. Right. Salt. Now, I personally, what type of salt am I talking about? I'm not talking about the table salt. I'm okay. actually talking about kosher salt. Coarse kosher salt. Right. The granules are bigger. So when you pick it up, you'll notice the difference between the table salt, which the granules are very fine. The coarse kosher salt is bigger. Right. Hence, when you pick up the salt, you might think you're picking up a lot, but it's actuality, it's less because it, you're picking up coarse salt. Okay. All right. So when you take your salt, you're salting your pepper liberally. Do not be shy with your the salting of your steak. Okay. Liberally. You want to take that in because it's not so much that it's going to be salty. It's really going to impart the salt all throughout the meat. And it's on both sides. I do not particularly put pepper on my steak. Right. And the reason being is, is that when you put pepper on a hot flame, like taking my example, I personally like on an open flame. Right. When you take the steak and you put the pepper onto it on an open flame, the actual pepper becomes acrid, meaning like a bitter taste, that kind of thing. And it really, uh, if you're going to do anything on a pepper steak, like a steak au poivre, wait till it's almost towards the end where you can impart uh, the peppercorns or a steak or the pepper into the salt, uh, into the sauce, into the sauce, I'm sorry. So from that point, you have a very... Well salted steak, liberally salt your steak, and on a hot flame. Not a, like, the flame is coming out of the grills, grill uh, plates, and it's an open fire. It needs to be hot, meaning how, what am I talking about? You take your hand, put it over the grill, and you count up to five seconds. If you can count up to five seconds, that's a good time. If you can continue counting and, um, and it's tolerable, that means the grill is still too cold. So up to five seconds. If you can count up to five seconds, that's a good temperature for your steak. Good, good. 
So you take your steak and you put it onto the flame. You leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't move it. Don't poke at it. Just leave it alone. Don't flip it? Don't flip it. Okay. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. What about talk to it? Talk to it? No. Just leave it alone. All right. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Um, I personally like if you're going to get a good steak, I personally like it um, to cook it onto the grill up to medium right. and, or even medium rare. And when you um, have it resting, you rest your steak for a maximum of 12 minutes. Now, what's your preference? What kind of steak? I prefer, me personally, I like the T-bone or the ribeye. Okay. Uh, T-bone, you have the best of both worlds because you have the filet and you also have your strap. Right. Uh, Ribeye, because of the fact that it has a lot of fat all throughout, and when you cook it, the fat melts off and it imparts a very buttery flavor onto your steak. It's very, very good. So that's what you prefer for the audience if they were they go to the steak section in there. Uh, they don't know which one to pick. Exactly. Those are probably your two choices. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's me personally. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> so continue. So, um, for medium rare, I would actually cook it on one side for about six minutes. You flip it. Now, right. when you are about to be ready to flip and you feel you picking it up and it's still stuck in the grill pan, leave it alone. Don't force it. Because it's not ready. The meat will actually tell you when it's ready to flip over. And what I mean about the meat will tell you is if the meat is stuck on the grill pan, that means it's still liquid still being taken out and it's still not completely done. And when it's easy to be flipped over, that means it's ready to be flipped. Now you were doing this test when you were poking at it. So, yes. Now, when I said poke, you mentioned poking. So, in when I poke at it, there is, um, it's checking for doneness. So, when on the inside part of your hand, when you make a fist and you have your thumb, between your thumb and your first knuckle, there's a soft area of your hand and it actually tells you using that guide how your steak will be. So the part that's closest to your hand and closest to your thumb is very squishy. That means it's rare. When you get further away, you notice that on the inside part of your hand, it gets harder. Right. That means it's getting more and more well done and it's cooked. It's the same kind of theory in your steaks. Okay. So using that kind of guide, you, that's basically you're poking at it okay. to see how it, if it's like close to being done. So you flip it over to the other side and I cook it for another three minutes. So total cooking time on an open flame mm-hmm. on a steak should be no more than nine minutes. Now, is that searing or is that a separate thing? It's the same searing thing. Searing the steak. Searing, searing anything is just basically you are keeping the inside raw and the outside like looks like 
like uh, cooked, caramelized. Like caramelized brown, that kind of thing. So with this, you're actually searing and cooking the inside of your steak. So for me, I personally think from the total cooking time should be no more than nine minutes. That's me. Okay, so that's a full cooking time for the steak. Yes. Okay. Uh, the first side is always cooking the longest. The second side is the shortest time. Mm-hmm. And you let it rest. Okay. No more than I would say minimum minimum of ten minutes. 10 to 12 minutes resting. Okay. Leave it alone. Right. Don't cut into it. Don't even poke at it. Just leave it alone. Put Mm. a little aluminum foil over it. Right. And what it does is it just maintains the heat in there. And also, you will see that a lot of the juices will come out of the steak when you put it onto a serving dish. Right. So from that point, by you resting it, the the steak will continue cooking, and also will actually soak up all the juices that it, it lost while it was cooking. Good. And at that point, you can I personally like to slicing my steak, slice it against the grain. Every protein has like some grains. Okay. It's like a shaving. <clears throat> exactly. So if you slice it against the grain, it makes it even more tender. If you slice it along the grains, it sort of makes it tougher. Okay. That's basically it. Okay. Keep Go going. Ahead. Go ahead. So um, at that point, pretty much you can just eat it like that. Right. <clears throat> now what but- goes good with it? Um, anything. Anything? Anything. Vegetables on the side. Anything. Good. Anything. Um, a right. lot of people will try to be adventurous. Oh, what about, you know, doing, you know, some kind of sauce? When you're doing an open flame and you do this type, if you maintain the basics okay. and really, really strict on it, right. you don't need anything extra like a sauce. Right. But... If you insist on that, then you can go in and and get, you know... Standard A1? Ugh. Or something better. Any recommendations? Ugh. A1. I'm sorry. <laughs> Standard Ugh. A1. That's what everybody gets. Yeah, well, remember when I introduced you to a steak sauce that you didn't know what it was, but then you tasted it and you liked it? Yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of them. Yeah, well... This one I'm talking about is HP okay. steak sauce. It's very hard to find. You look for it, it a few is. times, yeah. So it is hard to find, but when yeah. you do find it, made by Hewlett Packard, not right? quite. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but um, basically, uh, the steak sauce HP is not that. Um, it, it, it compared to A1 sauce, A1 is more like molasses and honey. A little more tangy degree. also. Right? Exactly. Yeah. HP is not tangy. No. It's more of like um, a smoky type of a taste. Right. Um, definitely not tangy and less sugary. Okay. Basically, but- it doesn't, these steak sauce on HP. Right allows you to taste the meat 
right. without actually being covered by a tangy, sugary A1. Okay. Well, this is the one last thing I want to talk about before we end, end this. Um, this thing, I have, to, I have to bring it up. So, um, <clears throat> lobster. <laughs> now, I was a lobster novice before I met you. And you, we got lobster one day. And you showed me tips. So, I well, want to know. Give, why don't you so share with us the tips I that you showed me. And taught you. Why don't you go ahead and tell me, re- recite all the tips since I showed you. Well, I, I just, you're the expert. Go ahead. And it's your show. You got to explain what how, how to cook the lobster, how to prepare it, and how to crack the lobster so what, what what's your techniques and how do you how do you do that tell me from a to a b c down the line go ahead <laughs> so here's my thing um everybody's like says oh you should have a big lobster two three four pounder lobster go ahead if you want to however you will find that the meat is very tough So, I would prefer to have any lobster that is a pound and a half to no more than two pounds because the meat of the lobster at that point is very, it's very tender. It's also a younger lobster. Okay. So, the older the lobster or the bigger the poundage, the tougher the meat. Right. So, also pick a lobster that is lively. Cook your lobster fresh. Okay. Now, this is all for all these animal lovers. I'm an animal lover. Right. But I also love my lobster. We don't need it a lot. It's once in a blue moon. Yes, that is true. Right, so, then, so yeah. my thing is, if you're going to cook lobster at home, you have to cook it when it's alive. Yes, right. when it's a lot. I find when you eat, when you have too much lobster, like it's something you have to have once in a while. It just tastes better that way. <laughs> it's because you have too much you of it. Appreciate it, and it's also right. very rich tasting. Right. So, um, take a lively lobster, the type of lobster that when you go to your fishmonger, um, you pick it out and it's like fighting you. That's the best kind. Why? Because it's the most freshest. Now, to end the lobster, um, you know, to read it its last rites, most people just throw it in the boiling water, but there's a special technique they have. I saw them do it once. Yeah. What's that technique? So, there there is a way Humane technique. Sort of humane, if you think about it. So first off, um, lobsters do not have brains. Okay, they okay. have something like a, a sort of a nervous system and Abdullah Oh, jeez, something like that. We're gonna say that. <laughs> so what you do is just you take your lobster and you take the tip of your knife in between the two eyes. Take this is graphic. Stab, okay. Yes, stab the lobster with the tip of your knife between the two eyes. Now, at this point, you've killed the lobster. Right. Okay. You have to torture it in boiling water. Exactly. Instantly. So now you might think, oh my God, it's twitching. The tail is flicking. Those are just the nerves. It's nothing more. It's instantly right. killed. 
as opposed to plunging it into boiling water and right. it's aware that it's a being boiled alive. Now, what about freezing it? Like, not freezing it, but you putting it to sleep? is um, putting it into the refrigerator. So, the cold will make it, like, almost in an anesthesia. Like, if you're in anesthesia, so it's still alive, and it will move, but not as much. Right. So, it's, if you put it into the refrigerator... And the coldest part of your refrigerator and put it in there for 20 minutes before you actually cook it. It actually puts it into a deep sleep. Right. And again, it, that's the part, that's the one that I use. I put mm. it into the coldest part of the fridge, leave it in there. And when I'm ready to cook it, right. I take it out and I put it into the the water. Right, how long do you boil them? So, <clears throat> that's also another technique. Everything about cooking is technique. Okay, processes and procedures. Yes. So, you take your your water, okay? You can either steam it. Right. Um, you can either steam it or you can go ahead and boil it. Okay. Whatever you want to do. I don't does it's your preference. Right. Um, but I personally boil mine. Okay. And what I do is, is I season the water with lemon. Take fresh lemon, cut it up in in half nice. and throw it into the water. I'm getting and, hungry. Look ahead. <laughs> and I'm also uh, put a good good two handfuls of uh old bay seasoning. Now the water needs to be boiling. Not a little boiling, but rapid boil. Take your lobster head first, put it into the water, and you wait. Cover it and bring it up to a full boil. From the full boil, put it into a timer for 13 minutes. Cook it for 13 minutes on a as soon as the water starts putting it into a full boil, cook it for 13 minutes. Take it out. And of course, it's a protein. You right. let it rest. And then at that point, you let it rest for a good 10 minutes. Okay. And your lobster is cooked. It's right. done. All right. To basically break down the lobster. Right. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you prepare it? Open it up. Like, what's your techniques? So basically, the 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 <clears throat> the lobster. You can see it that it's naturally made up into halves. Okay. So the first half is where you have the body with the claws and also the tail. Okay. You take your the body and the tail. You cut. Uh, you break it in half. Okay. And I personally love the row, the lobster Now, what's row. this thing called, the row? It's basically the insides of the lobster, and it's in every... If you like lobster bisque, then that is like the pure essence of lobster, and it's a more intensified um Is it lobster. like that yellow, the yellow the flavoring? Orange, the orange, yeah. flavoring thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. And for so, the people that don't know what it, what you're talking about with um, the row. 
Okay. So you take your lobster. Now on the bottom is the little feet. On the top right. is the ridges. Lobster's baby feet. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do is, is you take the top part, the feet on the bottom, both hands, you squeeze it. Like if you're squeezing um, a pay, um a towel, a hand towel, and squeezing it from or dry. Okay. You'll hear it crack. Okay. Then from that point, you flip it over. The feet are on the top. You take both your thumbs and you split it open as if you're opening a book. Right. And at that point, the meat will come out very ginger. No issues. Okay. Pull it out nice and smoothly. Yes, exactly. The claws, you split it out. There's going to be the knuckle and the actual claw. You take right. the back of a um, butter knife. Oh, interesting. And you crack it really hard mm-hmm. on the claw. Really hard. That is like right above, right below the other claw. There's the big claw and the smaller claw. Right. So the big claw, right where it's almost, if you look at your hand, right mm-hmm. below your thumb, you crack right. it really, really hard. Yes. Really, really hard, like a really good crack. It should right. go all the way through. Right. Crack it, and then it will loosen up and take all the lobster meat and do the same thing. There's no bones in there, but there are cartilage. So just go ahead and break it apart, and that's pretty much it. Right, you crack it like you know, like you crack a relative with a inheritance, just like that, right? That's kind of taking it to the next level. Yeah, okay, but uh, yeah, no. Yeah. So you showed me how to do that. You showed me how to crack uh, yeah. lobster, and uh, yeah. So now I know how to do it. I never knew. I just used a uh, peanut. What's it? A peanut crusher? A walnut cracker? A walnut a nut cracker? cracker? Yeah, for the walnuts. Yes. A peanut crusher. Anyway, <laughs> sad, but um, yeah. So yeah, so that's some good tips to know. Um, and this is uh, we're gonna be doing more of these for you. You know, we're gonna be. This is you're gonna be your yeah. thing. So. so if you have yeah. any suggestions, any questions, yes. anything that you want me to discuss, right. please, please, please right. drop your comments. Let me know. Right. Go to our um, Facebook uh, group page uh, and our Facebook regular Facebook page. And also on Twitter, and you can leave replies, comments, and um, <clears throat> and, and anything you want to ask uh, Claudia about cooking. Yeah, uh, and we'll, I'm hoping we'll, that you know, I maybe... didn't bore you or anything else like that. But it's right. just basically something well, this is that the, I wanted. This is a to cooking know. cooking segment, a cooking uh, episode, uh, and we just wanted to go into it. There was a few people that wanted to uh, wanted wanted to hear it. Yeah, that we know. a couple of people were you know, telling me about it. Yes, I was yes, like, oh. So, yeah, so we, 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 you know, we got around to doing it, and um, we hope uh, you guys enjoy it. We hope maybe you guys get some good tips from yes. uh, from your experience, right? I hope so. Yes. I hope so. But yeah, again, I mean, she it, is a star chef. She studied under Alice Gordon Shelley. You know? <laughs> 
but um, <laughs> among other yes. other chefs, right. Alex, I studied under Ronald McDonald, so no, you didn't yeah. just say that. But um, <laughs> so yeah, so listen, we want to say thank you, thank you for listening to the show. Yes, thank you, yes. thank you so much. And again, drop right. your suggestions, any questions? Yes, right? any questions? We'll be doing tweets, and you can drop your suggestions, anything you want to know, or anything you want us to talk about, or any any advice you want to give us, even if you want to tell us something about the podcast. Um, so before we go, I want to say a shout out to everybody, uh, on Twitter, uh, to, uh, my boy Dino at Hub Podcast. Uh, check him out. Him and his wife, Michelle, do a podcast there with the family. It's a very, uh, fun filled family thing they got going there. They do a lot of horror movie reviews, uh, a lot of indie movie reviews over there. So give them a, give them a, a holler there, huh? And out of what podcast over there. And, um, <clears throat> that's, that's it for now. Uh, everybody over there, uh, over there on, uh, Dino's buddies and all those guys on the far side of network and all those people what's say what's up, up. What's up? What's up? Yeah. What's up? Uh, shout outs to all the guys on Twitter. Yes. Uh, and also don't forget to say thank you to yes. all the people who have listened to us. Thank you so right. much. Seriously. Thank you. We are starting out and, you know, any critiques, any suggestions, anything that you think that we should be doing, just let us know. Yes. You know, I mean, right. this is us just having fun, but we also want to make it that it's interactive for you guys to put in your, your suggestions and your thoughts and, and ideas. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that'd be all. Uh, shout out to everybody over there on our Facebook group page. Thank you for, uh, <clears throat> being part of the group. And, um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get back to you. So thank you for, uh, listening to Say a Podcast. And, uh, this is episode seven signing out. Cooking Peace. with Claudia. And we will see you next episode. Episode eight. Say it. On Say It.